listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. For those who don't know me in the room, hopefully I've met most of you, but my name is Chelsea and I get to work on staff here with The Living Room and I am really excited about this series that we are in called The S Word, where we've been talking about the reality of sin and what to do when it takes you out. And last week, my friend Lauren, who is in the room tonight, uh, she kicked us off with an incredible message. And she talked us through the reality that that temptation is a trap that hasn't been triggered yet, but that all of us are just one decision away from getting stuck. And what I know to be true is that Jesus didn't come for any of us to live in a life of entrapment. In fact, most of us, many of us maybe celebrated Easter this past weekend. Maybe you went home, maybe you stayed in town, maybe you celebrated Easter in some way, but we got the chance to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, the day, yes, (laughs) amazing, Uh, the day that Jesus claimed final victory over sin and death. And so what I know to be true is, is that that is what Jesus came for to offer us the fullness of life, a life of freedom. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus came to make something new available to us, but for many of us, it's hard to connect with that. So throughout the rest of this series, we're gonna look at what walking in that freedom looks like practically, and what living in that freedom requires of us. So here's, here's the reality. Jesus came to offer us this, but, but many of us struggle to find it, to attain it. Most of us want to live a, a good life, a healthy life, a life of freedom. I, I think we'd all say we want that. Some of us are trying to do that by following after Jesus. But at the same time, most of us don't want to commit to the type of life that's required to experience that freedom. Anyone in the room ever done Whole30 or, or 75 Hard or maybe 75 Soft? That sounds more like my speed. Anyone ever done one of these programs? Raise your hand. I know somebody has. We got people in the back. We got somebody over here. Anybody? Yes? This guy right here. Okay, um, this is the upper echelon of humans in the room. My friends, every year, they are like, y'all, let's do 75 hard. It's going to be awesome. Like January 1st, woo, we're doing it. And they're like, okay, we're going to like be on a certain diet, and we're going to read 10 pages of a book every day, and we're going to have like a workout inside and a workout outside, and and we're also gonna drink a gallon of water, and they carry around those crazy water bottles that you're like, no one drinks that much water every day. And they're all gung-ho about it, and I hear this, and I go, yeah, I, I bet drinking a gallon of water every day would be great for my complexion. I bet that would be great for my skin. I bet reading 10 pages of a book every day would be great for my mind. I bet being outside for 45 minutes and moving my body, I bet that would be great for my mental health, my physical health. That all sounds awesome. I would love the outcome of 75 hard, but I am not committed to 75 hard. 
Like when you say, I gotta cut out sugar for 75 days, I say that means no nerds clusters, and that's just not a life that I'm ready to live. We all have experienced this, maybe not the people who have done 75 hard because they have got it down, but we all know what this is like. You wanna be in a different type of dating relationship, or maybe you wanna have a healthy and thriving marriage one day, but you keep getting in the same relationships that you know are not leading in that direction. Maybe you wanna make better grades or you gotta keep a certain GPA, but every time it comes time to study, there's Netflix or there's TikTok. Maybe you wanna go to the gym, but every time your alarm goes off in the morning, you're like, snooze just one more time, five more minutes, 10 more minutes, that's me, that was me today. We all have this internal struggle with the outcome that we would love to see, but the life that we just can't commit to. And we do this in our faith as well. We want something different in our faith. We don't want to keep on struggling with the same sin, the same temptation. We don't want to keep on struggling with the same envy and pride and lust. We want to move forward. We want different. We want to step into that fullness of life, that freedom that Jesus came to offer, but we're not committed to the kind of life that will lead to different. The kind of life that leads to different, to fullness of life, to freedom, is a life committed to repentance. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. This word, repentance. Because I know for a lot of us in this room, myself included, this word repentance, it, it has a bit of a negative connotation attached to it. Maybe it has a big negative connotation attached. This word has been hijacked by religious leaders throughout history. It's been weaponized to condemn and belittle and shame. I went to the University of Georgia and it felt like every time that I stepped on campus or I went downtown, I would see these street preachers with like the megaphone and, and the white signs and, and they would say something like, judgment is coming, like repent, it's coming soon, repent or go to hell. And I'm like, oh gosh, can I just like go to my class and get my Starbucks? I don't need this right now. Maybe you've seen these signs on the highway, and I'm just like, that surely cannot be a great use of your marketing dollars, but there's gotta be another way to point people to Jesus. We've seen these signs, these, these things used with the word repent, and I don't know about for you, but for me, they've messed up my perception of what repentance means. And so tonight, I just wanna redefine for us I want to reframe this idea of repentance and maybe cast a new vision than what you've experienced in the past. So for me, when I think about a word like this, I kind of want to unpack it a little bit. I love to do a little deep dive, digging into the scripture to go, what does this really mean? And there is an app called the Blue Letter Bible. Anybody ever heard of or used the Blue Letter Bible? Yes, <laughs> Andrew Rogers loves the Blue Letter Bible, apparently. Somebody told me about this app a few years ago, and it's just a great tool to study the scripture. And I will forewarn you, it's not the most beautiful or like user-friendly interface, but it's awesome for digging into the scripture. And so I did that this past week. And I looked at the word repentance or repent, and what I found 
is that the Hebrew word in the Old Testament most often used for repentance is shub. Don't worry, I looked up the pronunciation. That is how you say it. And then the Greek word in the New Testament is metanoia or metanaeo. I did it, guys. I practiced that a few times before tonight. These are the two words that we see most often used for repentance throughout the Bible. And what both of these words boil down to is this translation, to change one's mind, to turn back, to return. And so I said, okay, I want to see where repentance shows up in the scripture. Where do we see it for the first few times? So in the New Testament, the first time that we see the word repent, it's in the words of John the Baptist. And if you're unfamiliar with John the Baptist, he was a distant cousin of Jesus. His purpose in scripture, is said, is to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for Jesus, prepare the hearts and minds of people for Jesus, for the message he would bring. And so this, this is the words of John. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In that same gospel account of Matthew, Matthew denotes that some of Jesus' first words when he begins his ministry, when he begins preaching, are really similar to these. This is what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I know for many of us that repentance or repent, it's got some stigma attached But I look at this and I go, gosh, John's prominent message in preparing the way for Jesus was repent. One of Jesus' first messages when he started preaching was repent. And so this idea of repentance, it sounds pretty important to me. And for you, if you see this and you're like, okay, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, what does that mean? There's a, a different translation in the message version that for me sometimes help me, helps me go, okay, and in modern language, how can I understand this a little bit better? So I want you to remember this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we're going to throw the message version up on the screen. It's change your life. God's kingdom is here. When Jesus showed up on earth, John the Baptist and Jesus are saying, hey, the kingdom of God, it is here in Jesus, and it is starting right now. Change your life, because the kingdom is here. This call to repentance, it literally means to change your mind, to turn around, to change direction. I want you to imagine with me, you're making a U-turn, Like some of you, because of this exit 18 nonsense, maybe made a U-turn on your way in or on your way out last week. When you're headed in one direction and you realize that's not where I want to go, that's not where I need to go, you got to pull a U-E and go the other way. For us, that looks like turning from your own will, from your own way, from your own desires, your own sin, Turning from that. And when you turn away from something, you turn toward something. Repentance is turning from our own way and turning toward the way and the will of Jesus. 
from our own control, from our own desire, from, from what we want and going, okay, I'm gonna turn my entire direction, my motivations, my desires, and I'm gonna follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Repentance is both a, a one-time event, maybe some of you in this room have experienced, and it's also a lifelong process. When we surrender our life to Jesus, it's an act of repentance of turning to God to be forgiven of our sins and saying, I'm following you moving forward. This is the direction I'm going. But it's also a lifelong process because anyone in this room knows that has decided to follow Jesus that it's not just an upward curve the whole time. When you turn to follow Jesus, the reality is your human nature continues to pull you back to your direction. It continues to pull you back to your desires, to your will. And so this lifelong process is a continual day-by-day returning to Jesus, turning back from your own sin, turning back from your own desire, and going, Jesus, I am following in your direction again and again and again. But we're slow to turn, right? Like, we're slow to repent, because turning from your sin, it sometimes feels like turning the Titanic. It sometimes feels pretty impossible. And I think there's a few, a few reasons why this is difficult for us. One of those reasons is we just don't see as God sees. I know some of you know this about me, but I have a one-year-old son named Owen, and I am not biased at all, but he is the cutest human that has ever walked the face of the earth. And he is actually walking now. He just has started walking in the past few weeks. And this kid, he loves the staircase right now. Like, all we do at our house is like up and down, up and down, crawl up the stairs, crawl down the stairs, crawl up the stairs, crawl down the stairs. So we have a baby gate at the top, and at the bottom, because hello, danger. But the minute that the baby gate is opened, this child is like waddle running to the stairs because he's so excited. And sometimes he has the wherewithal to like slowly sit down and scoot down the stairs, but most of the time, he is like full out, free fall, belly flop, I'm going down, I'm so excited, and luckily I'm always there to catch him. But the reality is that Owen doesn't see what I can see. I can see the harm on the other side of falling down the staircase. I can see the possible stitches in the emergency room bill, in the bloody nose. All he sees is the stairs that he loves and he's so excited. This is true of us and God. God sees the whole picture that we do not see. God sees sin in a way that we don't see it. When God sees sin, he sees something he hates. He sees something that hurt his son. He sees the way that it hurts me and hurts you. He sees the wedge that it puts in your relationship. We don't see as God and so we're slow to turn. Another reason that we're slow to turn is, is our own pride and our fear. Pride says, hey, that, that sin in your life, actually, it's not a big deal. Like, there are worse sins. There are people that are worse than you. Like, this isn't a big deal. You've got it under control. You're, you're fine. Just don't worry about that. 
And, and fear says, what will they think about you? What will happen if, if you don't go? What will you miss out on? What if you don't do that? How, how will that turn out for you? Pride and fear, they drive us to be slow in turning from sin. And lastly, the reality is repentance isn't easy. It's work. That's the truth. It's so much easier, it feels, to sit in the consequences of our sin rather than to evaluate what's actually going on in our life, in our heart. We think, oh, you know what, I'm in college, like I'm just going to live the college life I'll figure this out on the other side. I'll settle down on the other side. I'll get my act together. I'll start to really follow Jesus then. But I can tell you from experience, and I promise this is true, that the sooner that you deal with your sin and the sooner that you turn, the better it will be for you. The better it will be for me. We are slow to repent, all of us. I don't know anybody that's great at this. But when we do, there is something so beautiful in store. With repentance comes a promise. I want to look at one more, one more scripture in the New Testament. This is in Acts. It says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. These are the words of Peter. And in this story, this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Peter has just healed a lame man, a man that could not walk, is now walking. And this crowd that has seen it happen, they're going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And Peter's like, hey, 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 uh, this, I did not do this healing of my own accord. This healing happened in the name of Jesus. The same Jesus that this crowd, okay, he says, hey, guys, the same Jesus that you wanted crucified, the same Jesus that you rejected, the same Jesus that you said, no, actually, we want Barabbas crucified, Jesus, that Jesus, he is the one that healed this lamb man. And he says, hey, repent. Repent of your unbelief. Repent of your sin and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And the reason I think that we see repentance so many times throughout Scripture and and specifically in the New Testament, I think the reason it's prominent is because repentance leads to relationship and repentance leads to refreshing. I just thought about this a minute ago, but when it comes to turning from our own way and turning in a different direction, I I thought about my marriage, honestly. When my husband and I are not seeing eye to eye, like, we will be in this rut where I'm like, no, this is the way. (laughs) Not Star Wars, but you know what I'm saying. This is the way. And my husband's like, no, this is the way. And, And there is a divide between us But the minute that one of us goes, you know what, no, I'm going to turn in your direction. Relationship, it grows. It's restored. It goes deeper. The same is true in our relationship with Jesus. But here's the thing. 
you got, you're turning to Jesus. He's not turning to you, okay? So that's the thing that's different in my marriage and your relationship with Jesus. But repentance leads to beautiful relationship. And repentance leads to refreshing. When I was in college, I had decided to follow Jesus back in high school. I, I had a massive, massive moment of repentance when I surrendered my life. But then I got to college, and, and I kind of decided to go back to my old ways and to live my life in the way that felt comfortable and easy and, and the way that I thought I would get the most friends. And I got to the end of my freshman year, and I was drained. Like, I could not remember the last time I had talked to Jesus. I had no idea where my Bible was. I was like, no, I'm just kind of living my, the freshman life. Like, I'll come back around to Jesus one day. And I got to the end of that semester, and I felt anything but refreshed. I felt empty. I felt tired. I felt drained. I felt alone. And that was a season of repentance for me moving forward. I experienced refreshing like never before. The word that's used for refreshing in that Acts scripture, it translates to a recovery of breath. If you've ever been in that season where you're like, I've just been doing my own thing. I'm at the bottom of the pit. You probably know what it feels like to feel out of breath. With repentance comes refreshing, recovery of your breath from Jesus. Because the truth is, with repentance, God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to give something to you. Something so beautiful, something so wonderful that I don't want you to miss it. So if you're in the room and you're like, okay, well, what does that look like? How do I repent? I would say my hope and prayer for you tonight is that you would take the path of conviction, not the path of condemnation. Conviction says, I did something bad. We've all done something bad. Condemnation says, I am bad. Conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit to encourage you and propel you to live a life of greater purpose. Condemnation is a tool of the enemy to tear you down, to make you feel unfit or unworthy for God. Conviction, it brings things to light. It brings others in. Condemnation keeps things in the dark, and it keeps you alone. So if you're like, hey, what does it look like to do this whole turn from, from my way to God's way? How do, how do I repent? How do I go about that? The path of conviction is where I would tell you to stay in that lane and stay far from the path of condemnation. Some of you in this room tonight, you, you hear this message. And maybe at the very beginning when you heard we were talking about repentance, you're like, oh, I've been following Jesus. Like, this message isn't for me. This is for somebody else in the room. And if that's you, I just want to say for a second, I need you to do a double take in the mirror. Because I can be that way sometimes. As somebody who works on staff in a church, it's easy to go like, no, no, they're, they're talking to the other people. But let me tell you right now, if that's you in the room, 
I think this message might be just for you. Because we've all got something tonight that we could repent of. We all came in with something, I guarantee it, that we could say, you know what, I'm going to turn from my pride. I'm going to turn from my envy. I'm going to turn from my lust. And I'm going to walk in a different direction. But for some of you in the room, you hear a message like this and you go, gosh, I'm just too far gone. Like, I've done too much. My sin's too big. Like, she didn't even get anywhere close to what I've done. She doesn't, they don't even know. For some of you, it feels like the ship has gone down and it is the Titanic. Like, there's no coming back. And to you tonight, I want to say, I get it. Because I've been there. And I feel you. But what is important for you to know tonight is that when Jesus went to the cross, that he had you in mind. That he knew every day of your life that would come to be. That he knew every sin. He knew every thought. He knew every mistake. He knew that you would turn and turn back and turn and turn back. He knew it all. And he said, you are worthy. I am going to go to the cross for you because I love you so much because I want relationship with you and I want refreshing for you.